0: Hello, and welcome back to Life Conversations with Marissa and Tracy. Um, We have a really powerful episode in store for you today. Um, I want to share a little bit of the background of what sparked this conversation. Um, Tracy and I recently watched a new Dove commercial that has been put out of really addressing social media and how it impacts Young women and young girls and their relationship with their bodies. And then we've also listened to a couple of other podcasts, which will link um, conversations around body image, body image issues. And as Tracy and I were having these conversations, this real synchronicity happened where one of our favorite people, Lindsay Seeley, reached out to us and just said, Hey, girls, I've been thinking about you. And I really feel like we should have a conversation around mental health, body image, what's happening with young women these days. And we were like, yes, we are all in. This is such an important and powerful conversation to have. And so I want to start off before I introduce Lindsay, just saying that if you are someone that is on a healing journey, that you are working through issues with your body image or an eating disorder that this may be a very sensitive topic maybe you don't want to listen to this episode so just be aware that we're we're touching a really sensitive topic and also please know that we're just sharing this from um the perspective of personal experience and if you are someone that that needs to seek professional help please do this um this is not in any way meant to be uh professional help so um Let's get into introducing our special guest today, Lindsay Seely. If you are a member of our Life Conversations community, you definitely know who Lindsay is. We have had her for a couple of episodes in season one, episode nine and ten. She is an educator, an author, a speaker, founder of Bold New Girls, um, three amazing books, the most recent one made for more. We did actually a live event here in Victoria with Lindsay. And so she's someone that we just love speaking with because of her insight, her wisdom, her perspective on the world. And today you're going to see her in a little bit of a different light because she has a very personal story to share with us. So Lindsay, welcome. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me back, you guys. This is great.
0: And we're so excited.
2: And just thank you for being so vulnerable and willing to have this conversation because it is a vulnerable, hard, raw topic to talk about. And I think you can only talk about it once you've done some healing in it. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you. So why don't we just start with why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and your story around the connection and disconnection to your body where that all started for you.
1: Yeah. So you covered a lot of the, what I do. I'm, I'm an educator. I, I spend most of my days working one-on-one with girls. And then from time to time I'm speaking and I'm writing and just really enjoying the work that I get to do. I think mostly I'm just really focused on educating girls, empowering them and helping them feel good, which is what we all want. Um, for fun, when I have time, I do like to run. I actually like to do anything outside. I love nature and I'm a big journaler and baker and I, I like to sing and do yoga. And so just trying to like find some balance in, in the work um that I do and the time that it takes. And yeah, I was looking back over my childhood and I feel like I came from a family, thankfully, that was always just really active. Like we were always into sports um, in the community. And then at school, we had a trampoline. So I feel like I probably spent four hours a day on the trampoline. Like it was always like, come home, do your homework, run outside and go on the tramp. And I think I just you know, I just moved. I didn't think of it as exercise. I wasn't counting my steps. I definitely wasn't burning off calories. We were just moving. And if we weren't hanging out with our friends and and being really active, we were doing things as a family. So it was really big for us to spend weekends bowling or learning to golf or swimming or whatever. And I honestly feel like, again, I didn't think about eating, but eating was just what you did when you felt hungry. (laughs) And I ate what was put in front of me. Like, I don't remember being fussy or selective. And um, it was really, I I think something that I did intuitively. So, you know, when you're hungry, you eat or you complain to your parents that you're hungry and need something to be made for you. Um, And as I remember doing a lot. And then when you stopped when you were satisfied, I don't remember ever feeling so actually I remember feeling really, really full one time because I begged my dad for this huge pancake breakfast. And that was like a lesson learned because I felt so sick and I got (laughs) the I told you so, like you're just a little person that you know, your eyes were too big for your stomach. But I think for the most part, I I felt good in my body. I felt like I was just living and I didn't have any thoughts about what my body looked like or about, you know, being selective with food or exercising to again, like burn off those calories or punish myself or anything like just super, super healthy where I think it got tricky and actually listening to one of your podcasts with Dr. Russ, who I know you're having the live event with. It was really, really helpful because he just normalized being a kid and like being in your body, like you're fully embodied and you're sensing and you're feeling and you're living And where things get tricky is when you experience any kind of turmoil or trauma, which I did. Like I remember around eight or nine, there was increasing uh, conflict in our home, like between my parents and it got really scary. And I'm pretty sure I could pinpoint those experiences to a disconnection where the feelings would be too big, as he said, that you basically disconnect from your body and the feeling you're too little to process it and you go to your head, and that's when I became a chronic worrier, and I started to think not about my body, and it wasn't about my food food at this point, but it was just, what does this mean? What did I do wrong? How can I be better? How can I be good? You know, am I valuable enough? Am I doing a good job as, as a daughter? Like, so that's when I, I think I could pinpoint that disconnection from my body to my brain.
0: And so in in that moment where the disconnection happened, how did that um, start to fuel um, this focus around your body image and what your body looked like? How did that unfold for you?
1: I think now that I think about it, because there was conflict, because I know my dad was always mad at my brothers. Like they were really mischievous. So he's angry at my mom and they were going through stuff and my brothers were bad. And I must have internalized that the solution to this. So I don't get in trouble because that would have been very frightening is to be good. And because I was smart, I think I decided to turn good into perfect. Mm. So if I'm quiet and I do my chores and I do my homework and I do very, very well, and I look good, and I don't make either of my parents mad, well, then they will love me. And that for a kid is survival. So you do everything that you can to just keep the connection, even if that means holding a lot of your real self back. And I think that um, appearance wise, I feel like my mom was very like, conscientious of her body like she was always on some kind of diet which is a little person I remember thinking what you can't eat that's crazy (laughs) like I love food so I would feel sorry for her which was absolutely healthy and accurate that is like ridiculous she looked great but didn't feel it and I know my dad was always very complimentary and pleased when I looked good So I think from an early age, I, I learned that appearance did matter. So he would comment when I look good, but he would also comment when he wanted me to change. I had too much makeup on. I would get a lot of, why do you need that? You're so pretty, but you know, you don't hear that for what it was intended. It just hears like judgment and rejection. And clearly, you know, I don't look right. So I'll have to change something about my body so that I'm again, like accepted and loved.
2: Do you think that spiraled into like I wore, you would go the more makeup, clothing, like that avenue? Or would you go more into spiraling food, controlling food? Like which avenue did you go?
1: Oh, it was honestly probably both. So I became suddenly really self-conscious of what I look like and whether or not that was approved. And I feel like Like, I also don't remember looking at my body, even though it was an appearance focused, you know, parenting, I guess, or or conversations we were having. I don't remember looking at my body in a negative way. Like it didn't, I don't think that was really the case. And I think also like, just so listeners know, like I, like, I just was like, um, I was just born probably like a medium size, let's say. Like I just have really long limbs, like long and skinny. Like they've always been that way. So that's probably what my body is supposed to look like. And I was very, not underdeveloped, but I was late to hit puberty. So because I was moving so much and we were so active, like I was trying to like wear the right clothes and like, obviously like look good. Like I think I took care of myself, but I don't think there was yet an awareness of like my body Mm-hmm. And so that was honestly priceless. Like I, if I could go back to that, like that's like the magic where you're like, oh, don't change. like that's it's beautiful because I remember just still being like I was just because I didn't have the thoughts of is my body good or bad, you know, am I too skinny or too fat? I I don't remember thinking this. like I've had my cousin a little while ago was just, She had an injury, so she had to stop um, exercising, and she's super, super active. And then she hit puberty, and I remember in one conversation, she was crying, saying, last year, I was so happy. She was like 13, and now all I can think about is my body, and I don't like it, and I don't know what to do. And she's like, I never had these thoughts before. It was completely overwhelming, and I think I could relate to that. Like I never had that self-consciousness. And then I remember, this is like, um, I think it's most people's trauma or like really like tough moments really are like a moment. And I remember um, it was probably grade, I think it was grade 11. And I remember it was spring and you remember details, like it's crazy. And I remember um, going to our friend's house to get ready for an awards ceremony for basketball. It was like end of the year wrap up. And um, I remember borrowing her dress. And I remember feeling really, this is like hard to say, I felt really good. This, it must've been comfortable. It was like this beautiful floral dress. Like it was sunny. We were happy. We were going to the award ceremony, like everything just felt good. And thankfully there's a picture of, I don't have the picture, but I remember seeing a picture and I can say, I did look beautiful. You know, the dress, I don't really wear a lot of makeup or anything, but my skin was good. My hair was thick and shiny. And like, I think I, at that point I was just into into puberty. So again, it was a little bit late by grade 11. Like my body was starting to change, but I didn't notice like no awareness. So I go to get ready. This picture was taken. Like I'm feeling good. And I Mm. did win an award. This, I told this to you last time, but I would always win um, most improved I was always so embarrassed because I thought oh that means I really sucked but it also means I worked really hard
2: yeah the story I told
1: myself right story (laughs) I told myself is I must have been that awful but uh it is more true to say I improved um and I worked really hard and I got this award and someone on the boys side said like way to go farms and I was like okay, thanks. Like what, what does this mean? This word. And then I realized like they had been saying it a while. because I, the Boys and girls
0: teams were there together at the sorry,
1: boys and girls were together. And like it, it was sort of like a good job, but it was also, there was this word and I was like, what I've been hearing this. Like, what is this? So I begged my friend to tell me like, what is this that's happening? And she wouldn't tell me. She's like, you know, kudos to her. She was like, no, 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 you don't need to know. There's boys being boys. And I begged her, like, I would not let this go. So it turns out the boys had decided to call me Farms. And it was a combination of the word fat and arms. And they decided to call me that. Now, they were teenage boys. They had a name for everyone. Like, this is just what they
2: did. Just break my <laughs>
1: Right. Here's the thing. So I, and I was really, really sensitive. I think other girls would have processed it either as no big deal or you stupid idiot or just nothing, but I was just super, super sensitive. And I felt in that moment, like mortified. That's like the best word I can think of. And this very sad part is I didn't say anything. I just like probably gave her no expression, totally neutral. Came home after this beautiful day and feeling so good. And that was the exact moment where I looked in the mirror and I saw just how fat my arms were. Like I hadn't realized. And that made it even worse because it was like, oh my God, why did nobody tell me? Like my body's totally changed. I am like such a piece of crap. Like I remember saying this in the mirror, everything looked bad to me. And I just, all, the only tool I had in my tool belt was to hurt myself. Like I chose that. I was like, that's it. Like no more food for you. Like nothing. And it was such a pivotal moment because of the place that my brain went to. And I feel like how, um, like transformative, that was. And it is not this person's fault, this name. Like it clearly was like a buildup of things happening. And then here was this moment where I suddenly saw myself the way I thought others saw me, or I saw myself in such a negative way when I had no thoughts before this. I was just myself. You're and right. like, I guess, I guess then I was like, oh, I guess I gained some weight. But again, it just was like part of like what your body does as you grow. If anything, I think this is sad too. I was really happy with the change because I thought something was wrong with me that I wasn't changing.
2: Mm-hmm. Like everyone
1: had grown and started to look like a woman. And I still like felt like I looked like a little girl. Like I had no shape or anything. So I started to like see like, oh, like I was buying bigger clothes or whatever. But it again, it wasn't a problem. It became a problem when someone judged it. Mm-hmm. And it became, oh, I'm fat, and fat was bad. And then all the things you've learned as a young person, like I learned, you know, should I always be dieting, and appearance really mattered. And so then, I mean, I don't know how many details you want,
0: but from then, well, yeah, I think let's so let's unpack it a bit more. You and I met in grade eight, yeah, in high school, <laughs> there? We high school together. So I. Yeah, I was there alongside you when I saw um, your, your relationship with your body really shift. So if you go back to that moment in grade 11, can you kind of unpack for us there, how, what did that look like in your day-to-day? How did your relationship with food and exercise um, come into the equation Yeah, maybe just a bit of background, too, because I realized grade
1: 11 was like my least favorite year. Like, I do not know your experience, but I hated it. We had to move schools because we went from a junior school to a senior. I suddenly felt like I didn't belong in any group. Like, I felt kind of like a quote unquote loser. Like, I, I looked like I had friends, but I didn't actually feel like I was friends with anyone. We were suddenly with grade 12s who were like grown men. I think that scared me a little. My body's changing. And academically, I remember that was like, I felt so much pressure to do well. And I was taking a lot of academic courses and it was just, it was so much. And I just, you know, you just do it. I didn't ask for help. I didn't say it was hard for me. You just, you just keep going. And so then, you know, and by the end of the year, I have this comment and It just seemed like maybe the straw that broke the camel's back. And so I made that decision, I think almost out of, you know, I think women do this more than men, but it's like, instead of blaming, you know, the comment or the, you know, the immaturity of of boys or whatever it was, I blamed myself. So I clearly hadn't done what I needed to do to keep a smaller body and smaller and thinner is better in our society, um, quote unquote, better. And so then probably the next day, cause I, I am determined and disciplined. And in this case, it worked against me, but I remember just deciding to eat less. So I didn't change what I was eating. I just ate less, like a few bites. So no one really knew because I would just look like I maybe wasn't that hungry. So I remember eating less and you know, that worked. I, I started to weigh myself. And so I, I'll tell you numbers. No one tells you numbers, but I think I just should, cause it's shocking so let's say I'm I'm pretty tall, like I'm five seven, and I would say my starting weight was like one, I'd say one forty, 140, maybe one forty five. So healthy, I would say, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started eating less, and then I decided to cut out foods. So it's very easy to declare you're a vegetarian and cut out all meats, and meats have you know more calories than vegetables. And so then I cut out meat, and then I cut out like all like fats and sweets. I don't remember eating dairy. So at this point I'm down to maybe fruits and veggies, like, but it just kept, it kept, um, becoming less and less of whatever I was eating. It was less and less. And then it became like, like, how little can I eat and like, and still survive.
0: It's almost a challenge.
1: Yeah. And it, and that's like, in a way, like that's sort of like, that would work for me. Like, oh, okay. Like I'm doing this, this thing, I'm making a change super unhealthy but i'm making a change and i'm seeing the the scale go down so it would have gone down to like 135 i'm now at 130 and it's like this is daily i'd say multiple times a day i was weighing myself and i also did never before had i done this but i started to look up um okay we didn't have google but i had a book of how different foods like how many calories were in foods so i didn't consider protein fat or carbs at that point but it was just calories so i was picking the least calorie foods and honestly, just surviving. I, I don't remember. I wrote down what I ate, but I don't remember counting calories, but honestly, I was eating well below a thousand calories a day. Well below
2: really-
0: and then I
1: started, sorry. Then I I decided it would be a good idea to under eat and pair that with over-exercising so that we had stopped basketball. And so I wasn't doing a sport. And then I just, that's when I got into running. And so it was like, okay, I'll run as much as I can and I'll eat as little as I can. And that, that combination does work. Of course it works. You're like starving and you're burning off your calories. But I think what's not talked about enough is all the other stuff that comes from that. Like the physical stuff, like I was losing hair and I was always cold and my skin was ashy and my eyes would be dull and like lifeless And you're, I was just always tired, super grumpy. Like my poor dad got the brunt of that. I was always just so angry, so cranky. So there's the physical changes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sleeping. Um, and I definitely remember my period stopping, which is really hard because it just started. Like I was just getting used to, um, managing it. And now I know all the good stuff that comes from that as a sign of health, so there was that, but then there's also the emotional and social part. Like I was just sad and I was lonely and I was so disconnected from people. It's like I decided because of this one comment, like no one I couldn't trust anyone. So I withdrew socially. I I didn't want to do much. So in that sense, I guess you could say I I caused somewhat of a depression and definite like mental health concerns and I just wasn't interested in anything. I think the only thing I could think about was food. And I became like more obsessed with it, the more starved I became. So really into like cooking and baking and giving food to others. I think that's kind of a common obsession and just pouring through magazines. My goodness, finding any story, mostly from celebrities of what they ate and how they did it. And I guess it could look like I was trying to be healthy, but it just wasn't. And then to make it really complicated, so my weight's going down to like, it probably got down to like, like 115 would have been my low. So from 140 to 115 in like six months, I would say. But then what happens is you lose the weight and people like praise that. So here I'm doing this thing and going through so much stress and strife and sadness and confusion. Like I'm so like freaking out that this is happening, even though I know why it's happening, but I, I I totally spiraled out of control. And then you have people saying like, Whoa, you look great and good for you. And even like, it wouldn't be women at the time, but girls saying like, how did you do it? And they're asking because they want to do it too. They want like the secrets, right? And so the more praise I got, the more I was convicted. I was on the right path, but I absolutely wasn't like starved in every way. I would say physically, emotionally, mentally, um, spiritually, just like like nothingness. And I just didn't care. There's nothing not one person could tell me that would make me care. I just didn't care. I did, At the end of the day, it's nothing to do with food and body. We know this now it has to do with like, deservability. And at that point, I would say I didn't feel like I deserved anything, not friendship, not food, not love. There was just a, like, I didn't even know my purpose.
0: How did you find your way back? Uh, That that healing journey is a long and complicated Mm -hmm. one. And You're amazing. I think (laughs) such a beautiful place now in terms of living life in all of its fullness and richness, and you're just a beautiful human. (laughs) And I, I, I just want to say, I love you. And I thank you for sharing this story in such an honest and vulnerable way, but yeah. What was it that started you back on the path of healing and wholeness and getting back to yourself?
2: Yeah,
1: honestly, I'd like to tell you, I, it it was a thing, but it wasn't. And I think it's also important to say, I've just gone through so many seasons of this and each season has looked differently, but I did for this, like I, I did this timeline. And so I remember this night when I was whatever, 16, 17, that was my first experience with like feeling so overwhelmed, so stressed out, I would say, and then deciding that that's what I was going to do to deal with the stress. I was going to turn on my body, disconnect, um, starve essentially. But throughout throughout the timeline, I noticed there were several points. They all looked a little bit different, but now it's, it's really neat to look back and connect dots. Like what was happening in all of those moments was just a high level of stress, mm-hmm. so much stress. So again, it has like not eating is the symptom of something so much deeper. So the stress could, you know, sometimes it's been work or it's been relationships, but that feeling of out of controlness where the one thing, like, it's like, I knew I could control my body. We all can. And, and so I feel like, like, that's just really important to notice like, okay, it was, it was the stress and it was the something happening. There's always so, so much more to the story. Right. So I can't say it's any one thing. I think it's been such a forever journey. And in that sense, maybe a gift, like there's been a lot of healing, but I do remember at the time, okay, we didn't have social media. So we had magazines. Yes. The the beauty of the magazines, I feel 17, it was, Mm -hmm. and the beauty of the magazines, I feel compared to social media is there are only so many photos per month. So, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't. It wasn't like I was looking at 3,000 images a day like the girls are today. I was looking at my set images, but there was a story. I still remember there was a story about three girls recovering from different eating disorders. So, there's anorexia, which is what I would have been. And then there's more like bulimia, like binging and purging. And then there's one in the middle, no one really talks about, which is orthorexia. And that's sort of like a, area of gray and totally like under the radar where someone is just really obsessed and focused on health and clean eating, but there's not a lot of freedom and there's not a lot of food freedom. It's still like a fixation. And I remember reading this story about these girls and um, they had through the three different types of disorders, but how each of them had a different path for healing. So one got into like health and fitness and like helping others and, and got her degree and another just wanted to go back to school and and do psychology. And you know, to do school, you need energy and you need health and you need to like, mm-hmm. you know be eating enough and 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 be balanced and then one found a relationship and a super caring guy who who basically met her where she was at and he would bring her her diet cokes and he would you know let her eat the way she ate which was not that much but i think through that supportive relationship and connection and love like they had three different paths to healing and i didn't do any of those but i just remember thinking yeah there's got to be something more there has to be something beyond this obsession that i'm doing And I had to really like sort of find my way, I guess in in a way I found all of those, like I'm into health and healing and I'm in, you know, I wanted to go back to school and that was really good for me to feel value. I think that's a way that like just feeling smart and, um, informed and then finding a relationship too. So I guess they all happened to me over the course of this timeline, um, but I, I can tell you what didn't help. And I think people do have really good intentions and of course they appreciated it. But I can't tell you guys how many comments I got that were that just felt so inappropriate. Like um we worked at a restaurant, we worked at Earls, and I remember customers would pull me aside and tell me like their daughter was anorexic and they helped her and they could help me too. And again, I was so sensitive and in this workplace, I was like, oh my gosh, please. I wish you hadn't said that. Like, I just wanted to crawl out of my skin. Like I just felt, okay, I know you notice and I know you care, but that is not your business. Like, so I got that comment um, one time in a grocery store uh, in the lineup, someone told me that they would, they would like to buy me cake because I needed to eat. Yes. Um, even a person I was, I did a lot of running at, even one of the flag people in the construction zone, I remember her yelling like, what are you anorexic or something? Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, like all of these, right, judgment and not helping. And I feel like none of that helps. Like there's nothing anyone could tell me. It was my journey. And like, I think if anything, the best help was just people who were journeying alongside me. Mm. They just wanted to spend time with me we didn't talk about food they didn't tell me their concerns they didn't tell me you know that my heart could fail or that <laughs> i needed to like eat more or exercise less like it was just it was the people that were being that were accepting and just let me you know go out for dinner with them and i wouldn't eat or i'd order like a salad and they wouldn't say anything but people's side comments and judgments like they just never helped and and i think over time i think it became deeper like i think i definitely was able to look at it from a faith perspective. And so I think part of that is surrendering, like this is like too much for me. This is, it's too big, I can't do it alone. And so a lot of prayer and a lot of uh, like reading my Bible. And I think then also looking at like, God does make us in his image and he makes us perfect and he makes us all different. And like to reject that in a way we could say was was is sin. Because I'm basically saying this gift you gave me, oh, not good enough. <laughs> and so, being able to look at it from that perspective helped. I would say um, I definitely benefited from talk therapy. So I, I went to see therapists, and again, it wasn't they weren't necessarily eating disorder specialists, but it didn't seem like that was the thing. It seemed like it was something so much more. And so, dealing with the so much more, like the the, how I felt about myself and the love that I felt I needed, but didn't get, and then starting to learn to care for myself. And part of that was eating, but part of that was sleeping and having fun and resting. And it was just so much of more of a, a holistic approach. And, and most recently, what, what has been helping is just going deeper into the trauma, like understanding, like that trauma from when I was little, that stored in my body, and as a little person, I couldn't process it through my body. It was all me trying to understand it through my brain. And so I'm actually working with Dr. Michelle Kembolis and we're doing eye, um, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And that's a super fancy word for saying, let's just go back to that event and help you make the connection between your mind and your body and work through the feelings and the sensations so you can release. And that's the healing that we're looking for, right? And and I think talk therapy has been great, but I think there comes a point where you're like, I just, I'm looking for something more. I need the release. And, and that really helped. And Maybe the best advice I did get from a therapist was to help me understand the connection between food and stress. So she said, I know you're stressed. And when you're stressed, you don't eat. That makes sense. The digestive system stops or, or lessens. You're not hungry. But she said, if you can just have a few bites, because if you have a few bites of food, that's exactly what's going to help you feel less stressed because Mm. that's the nurture you need. And that's a really hard, it's a hard one because you're kind of stuck in this vortex. You're like, I'm not hungry though. That goes against intuitive eating, but that did make sense. And I think what helped and it has helped me a lot in my life is like just slow and steady. So I thought, oh, it's like just a bite. It's just a bite of yogurt. It's just a bite of apple. It's just a bite of, you know, some nuts or something all together. That's a little bit of nutrition. And then I could start to feel better. I could start to think better. I could start to um, continue, I think, with some of the tools that help us Mm de-stress and really just look at it. So I did not answer your question in one way because it's just that complicated. It was just so many things and sometimes it was nothing and sometimes it was going back to my old ways and then realizing, no, this isn't good. This doesn't feel good anymore anymore. Um, it's not the path I want to take there's something so much more but I didn't know what it was so I've just been trying
0: well I don't think anything about healing is linear right it's such a journey and there are so many times that we circle back and feel like we're in the same place again but I think you've expressed it and explained it in such a, a beautiful way and I think it gives hope and encouragement to people that are somewhere along that path. If we go to today and the work that you do and the girls that you work with, can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing and noticing in the girls that you work with? What kind of relationships do they have with their bodies? Where are they getting their messages from? Because as we've touched on, it's a totally different world now where they are constantly bombarded with messages and images from our culture about what your body should look like through social media. Um, And how does your experience kind of inform the way that you work with these women?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I think with the younger girls, it doesn't seem to be a thing. So I'm very aware of, you know, um, it's getting younger, I would say, but let's say six and seven-year-olds, like they, they're they still being, <laughs> they're still like feeling, they're still very embodied. Um, I'm very aware of the words that come out of my mouth because I think I don't want to be part of the societal pressure that, you know, appearance matters more than anything. And that's a really hard one not to say like, you look so pretty, mm-hmm. because they do. And sometimes I know they worked really hard to put the outfit together, or they've dressed up for me. And it's like, I, oh, what am I? What am I supposed to do? So I try to like, find different ways to compliment them. And so some examples are, you know, you look so happy today, or you have such good energy, like, what's going on for you, or your eyes are there's something so much more than their appearance and I can appreciate their appearance in a, in a different way too. Like, I really like, you know, the outfit you choose, like chose, like, tell me how you did that. Or so it's, it's not just like, you look so pretty. Cause I don't want them to hear like Lindsay gives me a compliment when I look pretty. So I'm always going to try to look pretty. Mm. That's like the opposite of what we want. So I think with the younger girls, I'm just, I'm just aware that I can be part of the problem, but also part of the the change, with older girls, it's very interesting because I don't have a lot of talks about body, but <laughs> they talk about it in surprising ways. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like I feel fat. That was sort of like maybe something that used to they used to say in the past, but it, it's like, oh yeah, I don't like my abs. I'm like, you're what? I don't like my abs. I'm like, you're 10. So I try not to show too much shock, but I'm like, what do you mean? And then they'll tell me what they see online, these sculpted abs. And I have to educate them that what you see is not what you get. So that person could be starving, could be on some supplements or steroids, could be just Photoshopping their photos, could be whatever, taking diuretics or like, I don't know, but I said, that's not what. The female body is supposed to look like, like, I can have these really good conversations, and, and I can go there. But it's frightening what they're seeing, and just the volume of what they're seeing, and that they might have an awareness that not everything is real, but they're pretty convinced that what they're seeing is real. And, and I would say it's, it's about body and what they look like. Oh, they I also get a lot of I don't like my brows. So eyebrows and abs seem to come up a lot. And I can have pretty good conversations about acceptance and change. Like there's a part of us that's like, you know, that is what you got. But then there's also, you know, we can, we can do some things. We can make some changes that that are fine. If that means we feel better, it's just such a fine balance, I think. <laughs> so acceptance and change, but there's also a lot of like, I want to look sexy. You know, I think social media is, is damaging, but I also think these cartoons that they're watching are like these these characters have very disproportionate figures. They're not real, but they don't they don't necessarily connect that dot. So they're trying to attain a certain look, like a very thin waist and then bigger boobs and butt. And that's sort of the look. And I think that at the end of the day, anything they see online, they are learning that their body is an object. And when they change their body and what they look like, they are desired. By their parents, by boys, by men, even. and that gives them their self-worth. And that's exactly like the chain of events. So I will change my body. I will look prettier. I will look good. So I get the the compliment. So I get the love. So somebody wants me. Mm. And I think that, I mean, I get to have these conversations with them, which is great. I share I share my story in ways that it's appropriate, mostly explaining like the struggle and the, the pain that came from some of my choices, but I think that I'm just happy they're talking. I think it would be harder if I, if I didn't hear from them.
2: Do you think there's been, like, how has it impacted you uh, working with these girls, given that you have had these body struggles and, and kind of the story for many years does it bring more emotion up for you when you work with these girls? Does it help heal that? Like how? Oh
1: yeah. Um, I don't think it triggers me. It's like something happens inside of me that I just want to like, like, like hug them, love them. Be like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Don't do that. It's okay. Like, it's like an overreaction. Like I want to do so much. There's not enough time. There's not enough, energy to like do the healing for them which isn't necessarily a good thing so I have to like check myself and be like okay it's their story and I can meet them with empathy and understanding and love but I can't take the pain away I can't take like that part of their journey because that would also rob them of the beauty that comes from working through these things So I am always going to be on the periphery of their lives, but I can do my best to show them the empathy, the care the love. And I know what it was like for people speaking into my life when I didn't want it. So I'm very sensitive to that too. And I ask for a lot of permission. I ask if they want to hear stories, if they want to hear advice, if they just want me to listen and I let them be the guide, but I don't think it activates me, like brings up my stuff that still needs healing I think it activates me in a way like I've never felt like I want to protect them so fiercely and I also know I can't but so I just do the best that I can with you
2: know
1: the boundaries in place I think
2: but what a powerful way to be able to support knowing that struggle and those battles of your own to be able to then support these girls and knowing what you would have wanted in those moments Mm -hmm. you're now able to kind of pay that forward to them right by by helping them from the periphery and like yeah supporting them that way i think what
1: we want to hear most in any struggle is just like i get it yeah you don't even have to tell them why you get it yeah. just like what's happening for you is real because mm-hmm, yeah. as soon as we tell them it's not or you know they're being crazy or they're you know they're acting like you know you know they're hurting themselves and all of that it's like you've lost the connection but you've also made them doubt themselves like is it not is it not a big deal am I doing something wrong am I that messed up like we don't want girls to go to that place we want them to be held in this safe space of like
0: I get it yeah it's I, this is such a, a deep and complex topic um i want to touch on a little bit more about embodiment because i think you know working in in the healthcare field for 23 years now i feel like the messaging that we get in our culture and it's infused into healthcare is that we we can't trust our bodies and our bodies will betray us and there's that becomes entangled in this, this whole issue around our, our struggles with our body image. It, it fuels the disconnection that we have with our bodies. I think one of the biggest barriers that I see to people healing from an illness or an injury um, that may be you know a physical illness or injury is that they are so disconnected from their bodies and they need to learn to actually trust in their bodies again, to really see that there's such a wisdom that we possess within our bodies, if we can learn how to trust it and listen to it again. And I just I look at, you know, these healthy habits like nutrition and exercise that are so important in terms of nourishing our body in the right way. And that you know, when, when we approach it from the perspective that we're, we're choosing nutrient rich foods and we're moving our bodies in a way that really like celebrates Mm. what our body can do as opposed to punishing Mm -hmm. our body. You know, if we can, if we can take it from that approach and make that switch, then those things are healthy habits. But Mm. on the flip side of that, you know, when we're doing it in excess or doing it as a way to punish ourselves, Um, it it can be unhealthy. So for you, is there a way that you were able to make that bridge to go from, you know, these habits being a part of your lifestyle in an unhealthy or excessive or extreme way to being um, habits that actually are important part of a healthy lifestyle and you use them to nourish yourself?
1: Yeah, it that that's where I think this all gets so confusing and complex, and I think it's designed that way by the system that we live in. Yes. So if I can keep confusing you and making things so complicated, especially when it comes to health and wellness, you're going to be pretty desperate. And what do desperate people do? They buy things. So it's like the way that society set up. It's like you know, it teaches us, I think, from from the time that we're little, that something's wrong with us or we're not good enough. So if we're feeling so badly about ourselves, then they can sell us, you know, the program, the pill, the powder, whatever it is. And we're constantly feeling like our bodies are the problem. So if I just fix my body, if I just figure out how much to eat, how much to exercise, how much to sleep, the magic formula, whatever it is, then I'll feel better about myself. But that doesn't happen. That's like, there's no template. There's no formula. I can't follow any influencer on social media and do what they do and get their body. It's just, we are supposed to be different and we are supposed to be listening to one voice and that is the voice of our body, but it gets really loud and really confusing out there. Right? So I feel like the first thing I want to say is that it's just not our fault. Mm -hmm. It is the way the system is designed. And most of what makes the world go round is for profit. So if you can start to understand that truth about the system, you're like, okay, it's not my fault, but I don't think it ends there because I think it's our responsibility to say, okay, I see it. I see how this goes. Like I am still influenced by people online who show me, you know, five minutes a day of this exercise and this is what you'll get. And I'm like, that's a great idea. No, it's not a good idea (laughs) (laughs) because it's probably not true. And who cares if it is like, I, that's not, that's not what I want. I think there's so much more. And so I think that, and it's going back to like, like the, it's so simple, even though it's so complex, it's like, we know what to do because our body tells us. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to being little, like, <clears throat> how do you know you're hungry? Cause your stomach starts to growl. You feel a bit tired. So that means you need food, right? What do you, um, what happens like, how does your body tell you it's tired? It's yawning or it's getting a little cranky or whatever. Like it tells us what we need to eat. It tells us when we're satisfied. It tells us when we're stressed. It shows us when we're tired or thirsty or whatever. And I think that our job is to probably slow down and tune in and try not to cross the signals because I think it's very easy to really confuse like physical need like hunger with emotional need which is maybe a hug and I feel like we get that cross like oh I'm bored so I'll eat it's like no you're bored so rest or create or whatever but I feel like we have all those answers but we have to slow down and we have to tune in and I think what I'm what I'm doing now is just trying to like do intuitive everything so intuitive eating is probably the best eating approach if you're looking for something, but it's just basically listening to your body's cues for hunger and satiety, but intuitive movement. Like there are times when I need to like sweat, but there are also times when I need to rest. And we're taught that rest is bad in this hurry and hustle culture, but it's like, no rest is something rest is when you restore. And on rest days, that also doesn't mean don't eat like you still need to eat. <laughs> you still need nourishment and, and nurture in, in lots of ways. Um, we know how much sleep we, we know um, when we need to hydrate, like just kind of t- trying to tune into all of that and to follow it. And I, like, I am just, I love like a plan and a template. And what I'm trying to surrender to is there isn't one. There honestly isn't like every single day is different based on what's on my plate, like my stress level, my, you know, my to-do list, um, how well I slept my moods. And a lot of this, I think what was one of the game changers for me is reading um, a book called in the flow by Elisa Vitti. And she really talks about the female cycle. So like the hormonal cycle and the menstrual cycle, and just knowing every single day, of every week in the month is different, meaning you have different nutritional needs, different, you know, body movement needs, different, um, energy, different emotions, different stress levels or sensitivity to stress. And just knowing that and sort of following like my body cycle, that was quite mind blowing actually. Cause like you said, we know we just don't listen or we think, you know, there's some, quick fix it just it there's no quick fix there's no template it's just us listening to our bodies and not comparing the body that we're given to any other body it's just it's ridiculous but of course we do it it's
0: i think as (sighs) fathers of teenage girls, girls this is something that yeah we talk about and we think about and we're aware of on so many levels, you know, what messages are we sending them? How are we modeling this for Mm -hmm. them? What are the right things to say in these moments where they're faced with choices around what Mm -hmm. they're going to eat or how they're going to move. And it's really hard. Like I don't, I really work at saying and doing the Mm -hmm. right things, but I know I don't get it right every time, Mm -hmm. but you know, I, I want my daughter to learn to honor her body and what it needs and to make her own choices around the food that she puts into it. But then I also I do encourage her because she she loves her sweets and her ice cream, (laughs) candy and chocolate and all of that. Like she, and it's addictive stuff. You know, I I do also feel like as a parent, it's my responsibility to encourage her to make choices around food that really nourishes her body and gives her the nutrients she needs so that she's able to continue to be as active as, you know, she loves to dance and play hockey and those things. Um, but it's tricky, right? I, like I, I, I'm always worried that I'm going to misstep and say the wrong thing because I don't want her to have, you know, an um, obsession around what she's putting in her body or feel guilty about what she's putting in her body. But at the same time, it, it we do need to nourish our bodies. Do you find that even as well? I mean, even
2: you had mentioned about how people would say like you're, when the girls come into your office and you're like, you look so pretty in that dress. Like I catch myself doing that with Ava all the time because she does, she looks, she has good energy. She's very happy, but she looks gorgeous. And so like, even when you said that, I was like, Oh my goodness, I catch myself doing that all the time that I'm complimenting her on her beauty on the outside When actually, what I'm saying is, you just look gorgeous all over, inside, outside, every energy is just radiating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I totally relate to just catching myself in wanting her to eat properly because I'm very specific about that, but also not also pushing it so far the other side that now I'm creating more in her that you want to shame their choices, right? Like. It is a balancing act in parenting, I think.
1: And it's probably, you know, it's both. It's information of what's good for her body. Like we know, you know, fruits and veggies are going to be better than, you know, candy bars and chips. Like I think information is good. And I think it's also the redirect to her or their bodies, Mm -hmm. because I think if, if there is no template, which I realize, and it's all intuitive and it's this, you know, forever experimentation and exploration. Like I'm constantly trying different foods and different amounts and different times of day. And just asking myself, like, what do I notice? And it's like the best, most powerful question. Like I'm guessing eating a diet of mostly sugar is going to cause, you know, brain fog and fatigue and some grumpiness, but Can we like redirect them to then notice that? Yes. And then it's like, oh, well, maybe I can do that every so often or like on a weekend, like who cares? But I don't want that to be my everyday feeling because at the end of the day, I think the truth is that's never going to feel good. And it's not to say there's forbidden foods, but like, I don't need to go through days where I have like sugar only to see if like, how does that feel in my body? Like, I know how it feels. So that's just not a good choice for me. I guess that's, that's what we can, we can really just make it personal and customized, right? Like, is what does that, that feeling? Like? I think
2: <laughs> it is that awareness. And that's, if we go back to that first story you were telling us about that boy, that prior to him making a comment about your arms, you had no awareness that yeah. there was anything quote unquote wrong with you, right? Right. right. I think that's, the beauty is how do we keep the, like for our for our daughters, they're not yet, I don't know about summer, but for Ava, she's not yet aware of how that makes her feel when she has too much sugar. Like mm-hmm. she's not, she's not totally in tune yet with that. Mm-hmm. Whereas that's the conversation I have to have with her, is mm-hmm. like, well. Is it, are you, are you, is it helping you sleep more when you have sugar at night? Is it, you know what I mean? Whereas as you get older, you do start to get more in tune.
0: You do notice the
2: thoughts yeah. also get louder around, well, now my arms or my stomach or my, so it, do you, do you know what I mean? Lynn? It's like that awareness of education or information also can bring that awareness around now my body looks differently.
1: Yeah. And I think maybe that's where our actions do speak louder. So if you're, I'm assuming you both eat, you know, pretty balanced and healthy, let's say most of the time they see that.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: they're there, there's still kids and like, I ate a heck of a lot of sugar when I was a kid and it's fine, but there comes a point where either, you know, better, or, you know, it doesn't, you start to notice it doesn't feel good or yeah, maybe your body changes and you do want to like you know, become more fit, or be more healthy, or have more energy. And then that's a new conversation. Well, I'm guessing, too, they'll come to you and say, Hey, (laughs) I want to make some changes, I'm ready. And so maybe that's the, that's the point is like to be there ready.
0: Mm you know,
1: and, and then they'll have, like, I do have girls asking me that. And it's, it's hard not to just say you're perfect the way you are, but I do respect the desire for change when you're not happy with your body. And I think we do have some agency in that as long as it's realistic and healthy. Like I don't see any problems.
0: That's. I try to really keep the focus for myself and with my daughter for sure on, you know, we nourish and take care of our body so that we can feel and function the way that we want to, right? To keep it really focused on how do you feel and how do you function as opposed to how do I look?
1: So true. So true. I like to sort of have that athlete's mindset too. It's like, what does an athlete need? Like lots of rest and lots of fuel and, you know, I'd say pretty frequent meals. And like that, that's just good for all of us, like to keep up the energy and to keep our blood sugar balanced. And it's like, there's no, Now there's no like room, I think in, in my life for like the starving or the neglecting or the self-harm. It's just like, it's just not, it's not what I want. I know it doesn't feel good and it's just like not where I'm at. And so I think that that's like one of the best lessons is just to kind of go, wait, I'm stressed. So what's stressing me out? Not I'm stressed or unhappy. So time to starve again like it's just it's just not on but it is I think you're right it's about feeling and feeling good also helps us radiate let's say <laughs> and to have the energy and have the glow and and help others I think is is the end game
2: mm.
0: oh, oh this has been, been a really powerful conversation I feel like yeah we can just dive
2: even deeper like I just feel like this conversation there's so much
0: to this and I feel like we're just scratching. Mm-hmm. I I want to thank you so deeply for sharing your story. Oh, you're
2: welcome. Thank you. I
0: know that it will connect with so many people mm-hmm. and that there's power in that when we struggle through something and we can then share our experience with others and help them to feel seen and heard and less alone. Uh, that's only going to contribute in a positive way to their healing so thank you so much i do think we may need to have a follow-up episode of part two because there's just so much more here but uh, we want to respect your time and thank you for for being here for having this conversation with us and we're going to finish off with one final question oh right That we're asking this year. What is your word for 2023, Lindsay? I
1: feel like it is obvious after this time together, but my word is healing. Good one. Yeah, slow and steady, but it's uh, it's important. It's important work.
2: And it sounds like you're doing some good stuff. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. We love you. We appreciate you.
2: Thank you. Thanks for letting me share my story. Ah,
0: That was amazing. Thank you so much for listening to Life Conversations. We will see you again very soon. Bye for now.